Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by me, Ben Hocking, Sam Sage and Harry Ede. What did you have for tea, Sam? Saucy calf. Not much quality dinner. I've had it again. Um, but... Um, if anyone would like to send me their sausage cast, sausage casserole for those who are like Oof. them, um, I'll, I'll, I'll happily sample a little bit of sausage cast. If we ever do a meet and greet, please bring a bowl of hot, preferably sausage cast. I don't like it cold. So, Formula One, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's up there with one of our better uh, introductions to a podcast. If we're being a uh... This is what happens, folks. We we have a little countdown that goes six, five, four, three, two, one, and in that time, Sam just goes, "You never guess what I have to eat." And then this is how we this is how we are here right now, and this is why you're having to listen to Saucy Cast. It's always my fault. It's always my fault. Saucy Cast Corner, we should call it. Hashtag Saucy Cast. If you'd like a piece of merch that says hashtag Saucy Cast, we'll work it out. Who would want that? <laughs> Someone will want it. Someone in the lovely Discord will want it. My mum likes Saucy Cass. Maybe I'll get her a t-shirt that says hashtag Saucy Cass. Big, big question, though. Of all the F1 drivers on the grid, who would make the best Saucy Cass? Oh, I reckon Fernando. You reckon? I think I reckon he'd just be great fun in the kitchen. He'll just laugh at you. Like he does in that car, in that meme, you know, when he's in the McLaren outfit. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> he's like, stop talking to me immediately. <laughs> Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Fernando Alonso in that because he is going to make up the bulk of our lead topic today. That will be coming up in just a couple of minutes' time. We are going to be talking about the potential for Andretti buying Sauber, whether that could happen. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, staying with that team, uh, ignored team orders at the weekend. We'll be discussing what that might mean for that second Alfa Romeo seat, which they might not actually end up announcing at this rate. They might have just forgotten about it. And we'll also be playing F1 higher or lower to round out the show. But first of all, we are going to look at Fernando Alonso. So he's returned to Formula One this year. We've now seen quite a few races from him, 16 to be exact at this point in time. 2021, so 15 years since he won his second world championship. Seems crazy. Uh, And he's obviously just turned 40 years old as well. So time not necessarily on his side. Sam, based on what you've seen this year, based on what you know about the great man... Do you think he has the potential to win a third world title if he can get the car? I don't want him to win a third world title because he'd lose the two-time world champ dance. And I, it's one of my favourite things in, in all of the world is the two-time world champ dance. Fernando Alonso, he's starting a little bit slow. And we thought, hang on a minute, Esfang Ocon, mate, you're absolutely wiping the floor with Fernando here. What's going on? 
We knew he probably wasn't going to be up to the usual pace that he's displayed in his previous days, but we didn't think that the gap was going to be so big. And then we got about four or five races into the season, and Fernando just went, okay, you've had a head start, I'll have a go now. And all of a sudden, he's decided that he's going to literally drive on every single inch of every track, drive around all of you, you know, take out Mick Schumacher in the process and give him a cuddle. It's, <laughs> it's been a very, very fun season. That, that outside move in the Dutch Grand Prix when he just went all the way around the outside was absolutely wonderful. When he decided that turn two in Russia wasn't a thing, you know, absolutely wonderful. I think Fernando Alonso still got it. And what's crazy, it's the same as Lewis Hamilton, I think, is that I don't think Alonso is at 100%. I don't think that Alonso is driving at his peak anymore. And I think that if you were to say, is Lewis Hamilton at 50% good enough to be on the F1 grid? I'd probably say, yeah, he is. Do I think Fernando Alonso at maybe like 60-70%, which is what I think he's at, about 70% of what he could be, is good enough to maybe go on to win a title if he was given a front-winging car? Scarily enough, yeah. I think he would absolutely get the fire in him. We know how much that man loves winning. He does not care about anything but being number one. So Fernando Alonso, in 2022, my friend, if you get a championship... You can have the sixth best car. If there's somehow a sniff of multiple race wings, he'll do it. Remember Ferrari, folks? He somehow did that. I genuinely think that Fernando could be a championship threat at any given moment across time. Not in the next two or three years, but forever. Because he's that terrifying in a Formula 1 car. Uh, yeah, Fernando 100%. I want him to win a title. I think it would be amazing if it happens again. And he still definitely has the ability. We've seen some fantastic displays of strategy, pace, overtaking manoeuvres. Um, he's still got it, folks. He's still got it. So you're saying Alonso versus Raikkonen for the next 40 years. That's how it's going to go down, Formula 1. I'm hoping Hakkinen also yeah. comes out of his sabbatical for it. Believe he will. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, he's, he's got to at some point. <laughs> he's, he's leaving it a while, but he'll get to it, I'm sure. <laughs> Harry, we know how you're, you are the king of the Fernando Alonso fan club. So do you think yeah. that Fernando Alonso, again, given the right car, does he have the potential to win a championship? Um, tricky one. I think Sam was spot on in saying that yeah, he gave people a bit of a head start this year, but then he has fully come on uh, song in terms of the, the Fernando Alonso we all know and love. What I think he is perhaps lacking now is uh, just the tiniest bit of raw speed when it comes to qualifying. Although that being said, he was never actually the most uh, outrageous qualifier to begin with. He wasn't known for getting a load of pole positions. He's always been his racecraft, but I think maybe he has lost that slightly. But what he has lost, I think he again still can make up for uh, with his his racecraft skills, wiliness um, that we've seen a lot this year. His and his hair, yeah. Sure. Fantastic. <laughs> he makes up what and his, he just shouted hair. Like, Damn his majestic. hair. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, and we, you know, I think Hungary is the, the best example of where if you give him uh, or get, get him in a position where I know he wasn't actually fighting for the race win, but in a position where, you know, it's that competitive on a podium level. He will fight you tooth and nail. It doesn't matter if you are a seven-time world champion, i.e. Lewis Hamilton behind you. He, he doesn't care because he'll just keep you behind for about 20 laps. Um, so, yeah, I think... Does he have enough over a whole season? Really difficult. I think maybe that little lack of speed in quality now might hurt him to actually win a title. But there is no doubt in my mind that if the Alpine is anywhere near good, he would he'll be a nuisance... Uh, in, in Mercedes and Red Bull's side uh, next year if it's capable of winning a title. I'm not saying it will be, but um, yeah, if it's anywhere near that, then he'll just be in the race. It'll just be like, the, to them, to Mercedes and the other top guys, he'll be like the most annoying human being on the planet, I think. Uh, it'll just be, it'll be, everyone will, Every time you look in your mirror and there'll be like a little blue wasp in your in your mirrors and, and it's Fernando Alonso just buzzing it along. Carnival. Get out of the way, man. Yeah, exactly. Shouting karma at you. Um, so yeah. So whether that he could turn that all into a, a, a third world champion championship, who knows? But um, he's definitely got the the racing nous still left in him. I think. 
Firstly, I think it's pretty commendable from Alonso's perspective that we can talk about him winning a championship in 2006, his second world title, and then over 16 years later, or 15 years later this year, obviously 16 years next year, that amount of time we can still debate him having the quality to win another championship. How many drivers have actually had careers that have lasted 16 years, let alone being competitive enough to win a championship on either end of it. So the longevity of Alonso, it definitely deserves respect. And he's managed to, you know, he's come back at the age that what well, he is, obviously 40 years old, he's, he's older than everyone apart from Kimi Raikkonen. He's, you know, about 20 years younger than him. But other than that, he's got, <laughs> he's got the age, he's, he's got the age on everyone. But, and also being away for a couple of years as well that really doesn't help at any point let alone at at this point in his career so the fact that he's come back and he's still competitive you know he's definitely competitive that's not up for debate here it's just about whether he's got that next step again you're right in what you say that he started out the season pretty slowly and I think we can excuse him for that Um, you know he was always going to start slowly even a world champion like him is going to need time to adjust. Everyone noticed that, apart from Alpine, who decided that Esteban Ocon beating him for a few races was enough to give him a 17-year contract. But you don't regret that one, Alpine. No, it's not like we don't have any quality juniors waiting to come up in Formula 2. Let's give Ocon a great contract because he's beaten Alonso when he's been out for a couple of years. Ugh, that decision is looking worse and worse. <laughs> That decision is looking worse and worse uh, by the week, I'm afraid. Um, no disrespect to Ocon whatsoever, who is good enough for Formula One, but good enough for a long-term deal. I don't know about that. And Fernando Alonso has regained the advantage as the season has come on. He's been very consistent. Out of the 16 races this year, Alonso has scored in 11 of them, which is a fairly similar number to Ocon, to be fair. Ocon has had 10 race scores, whereas Alonso has had 11, so there really isn't much in it. But what separated them is those slightly higher scores. Now, Alonso holds a 12-point lead over Ocon, despite the fact that Ocon has a race win uh, and Alonso doesn't. If you take away that race win for Esteban Ocon, he doesn't have another top seven finish, whereas Alonso, I think, has four of them. So Alonso's doing better in terms of getting those higher position finishes. And I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect... Esteban Ocon, he did a good job in Hungary, but he got lucky to be in that spot. What cost Fernando Alonso the race win, I believe, in Hungary was the fact that he didn't he qualified too well, and he was caught up in the incidents that happened with bowling ball Bottas and bowling ball Stroll. So he got caught up in that, leaving Ocon and a few other drivers who were on the right side of the grid. Vettel, of course, being the other main beneficiary. He walked into that, Esteban Ocon. And yes, he still had to take advantage of it, sure. But if Alonso is in that spot, he does the same thing. And Alonso has been impressive this season. Hungary, you know, Hungary's a weird one. In that Ocon won his first ever race. Alpine won a race when they are the fifth or sixth fastest car this year. And you can very easily make a case to say that Ocon wasn't the best driver in his own team on the day where he won a race. Alonso was that good in defending against Lewis Hamilton. But it's not only that. Yeah, Netherlands was a great result. Um, not just the, not just the uh, the move as well. I think he finished P6 that day. So he, he was good the whole Grand Prix. Russia probably des- deserved a podium or very close to a podium. Got caught out by the decision late on. Going back a bit more, but Portugal, you might remember, he made a very good recovery uh, to finish P8 in that race. So there have been good moments, no doubt about that whatsoever. And we have got a very good Fernando Alonso. Everyone asked the question coming into the year, would we get a prime Alonso? Would we get a good Alonso? Would we get a a bad Alonso? No one really knew. And I think overall we've got a very good Alonso. I don't believe we've got Alonso that is good enough to win a world championship though. And I I do believe that the reason... Sorry. Boo! I mean, I'm... Kind of making the same point as you, Harry, to be honest, but you just <laughs> ah, right, okay. <laughs> you, you sheep. Um, <laughs> if Sam told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it, Harry? No, don't listen to Sam. <laughs> 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 
true. Because <laughs> he probably would say that for a joke. But um, uh, I, I don't... I believe he is a very good version of himself, but he's not the version that Thank left you. F1 uh, a few oh, years ago. So. Yeah, not talking about you, Sam. Um, if we're talking... Let's talk his Ferrari years. Alonso's Ferrari years, as you've already brought up, Sam, were incredible. What he did to the nearest driver to ever win a world championship in Felipe Massa and a former world champion in Kimi Raikkonen, so impressive. He destroyed Massa four years in a row. Kimi Raikkonen had no chance against him when he joined up for a year. He took 11 wins for Ferrari in his time. His teammates accumulated four, zero in the same period of time. No Ferrari driver ever got a win over him when he was their teammate. And I actually think it is the raw pace reason, which is why I just don't think he's he's quite gone enough. I think the fire is still there, the consistency is still there, and there is some there is a fighter gene about Alonso. There's a there's a quality that I think about 15, 16 drivers on the grid do not have. He has that, and I, I still think he does have that. But you, there's there's no substitute for raw pace. You you absolutely have to have it, and he still got it to an extent, but just not enough for me. He's 9-7 against Ocon in qualifying, which, you know, he's winning, which is one thing. And he's been fine in qualifying, don't get me wrong. But this is a guy that, again, destroyed Massa and Raikkonen. He had a very good season against Jensen Button qualifying. He made Stoffel van Dorn look awful when we know for a fact he definitely wasn't. And, I mean, Nelson Piquet, he managed to beat him 18-0. Nelson Piquet won three world championships, I'll have you know. <laughs> Yeah, can we just... Is that man there? Might be a different one. Um, Oh. (laughs) Point remains, though. He he, You're right, Harry. He was never an epic... He wasn't a Raikkonen qualifier in the mid-noughties. He was never... He was never Lewis Hamilton in terms of qualifying, I don't think. But he was still a very, very good qualifier. And I think he's taken a step down from that. If he was in a world championship, or if he, if he was in a race-winning car, yes, you're right. He would be a nuisance. He would appear at the absolute wrong time for all the drivers. <laughs> he would. He would. He would be that wasp, but he wouldn't be a winning wasp. Is my point? Is any wasp a winning wasp? Well, Jordan 1998, I suppose. There you have it. Okay. Nice. And, and 99, I guess. Uh, yeah. And Brazil 03. If we're going to Sorry if we've spoiled those winning. race results for anyone who is going through the historic Grand Prix. There's there's someone who's probably Sorry. come out of a coma and is watching every single race, one after the other, and you've just ruined it for that person. Yeah, I mean, after, if you've been in a coma since 1998, and you, you, the first thing you've done is, one, listen to this podcast, and two, watch <laughs> the 1998 F1 season. Firstly... You should be on the podcast with us. Secondly, get a life. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just staying on Alonso for a little bit longer. Sam, in your view, based on what you've seen, what do you think he still does incredibly well? What have you been impressed by in terms of his actual qualities, how they stack up based on his first stint in F1? Fernando Alonso was always amazing. And I guess you guys have used the wasp analogy. He's kind of the wily old fox now, isn't he? He's able to wrangle things out of nowhere. And I think um, the Dutch Grand Prix was probably the biggest example of this, where everyone was fully aware of it when it started to happen. It clicked for everyone at the end of the Grand Prix. Well, we had Ocon come over the radio. He's so slow. Let me go through. He's so slow. Oh, God, he's holding us up. And they, they go over to Alonso's radio. Uh, Fernando... You're going quite slow. He's like, yeah, I'm doing it on purpose. Just give, give me 40 laps and you'll see. 40 laps go by and Alonso's four cars up the road and he's having a fantastic result. And where's Ocon? Who cares? Because he's not going to score Alonso anymore. Um, Alonso's ability to manage a race is spectacular. He can manage his tyres. He can manage his pace. He knows when to push a car. And the man is quite possibly the best defensive driver I've seen in Formula 1 for a long time. I think he might be better than Hamilton defensively, um, I guess maybe with the issues that have come up with the album moving and the, the Verstappen wheel-to-wheel, you know what side of the fence you sit on, you might not see Hamilton as a great wheel-to-wheel defender. I personally think he's very good, but Alonso, I think, might even be better than the seven-time world champion at defending on track. Um, and we, that was displayed and already spoken about in Hungary the fact that he kept Lewis Hamilton behind in that Mercedes for that long 
the pace it demonstrated on that racetrack was absolutely phenomenal. And also, every single trick in the book he pulled out. I don't know if you guys can remember. I know you two can, but those listening. That move where Hamilton was plummeting down to turn one and Alonso just went, oh, I think I forgot to accelerate for just half a second. And now you can't get enough of the run out of the corner because you're stuck behind me going into turn. It's just, it's so clever. And that's what Alonso, I think, still does brilliantly well. He's so intelligent behind the wheel of the car. So, yes, I, don't, I think you're right when you say he hasn't got the absolute outright 100% pace that he used to have. But his strategy, his, his strategic driving, the intelligence behind the car... And his race starts are still absolutely phenomenal. Even Silverstone was another one as well. He was brilliant there as well. So um, I think the guy is still a magician behind the race wheel. I still think that if you put him in a race winning car, he could still pull out some absolutely incredible performances. Um, I wouldn't count him out. I never would. Well, it's a really a massive shame. And you would have heard this if you were listening along to... Uh, pump the brakes a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, Alonso does now have to retire from Formula <laughs> One because of Harry's age limit that he's implemented. So, sorry about that, Fernando. Um, Harry's kicking you out. Is sorry, mate. or is he the exception to the rule because he's Fernando Alonso? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Him and Kimmy. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else, though, <laughs> it remains the same. I mean, somewhat related to that, maybe not down to his age, but he was out of Formula One for a couple of years. Do you think, Harry, that other drivers who might have had absences from Formula One, do you think their chances of returning have actually been enhanced as a result of what Alonso's done this year? He took a, he took a few races to get going, but it, it wasn't too long, right? I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't too long, although, you know, he's he's a fairly special driver in that in that sense, I guess. Um, well, who, who do you have in mind, Ben, who might fancy a comeback? Jetson Budden? Hulkenberg? Rubens Barrichello? Big Rosberg, <laughs> Big Ros, Big Ros. I think Rosberg could still come back. I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he will, but I'm saying I think he could come back and be fine. Fine. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not people. Other drivers are going to look at it and go, "Well, it's it's doable." It was difficult for a few races. It might take me, a, you know, a few races longer than Fernando Alonso, but you know, it's doable. Um, I don't know. I I don't I don't know if he's, you know, out there inspiring. Uh, retired one drivers <laughs> in the old people's home to uh, jump back in the uh, don their overalls and jump back in a race car but um, yeah I, 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 I don't know if it I don't think it proves F1's too easy I think it actually just proves what a good driver Fernando Alonso is that despite having two years out um, admittedly doing other things but you know it didn't work for Michael Schumacher and and it's worked for Fernando Alonso, so um, I think it just proves how, how how good he is behind the wheel of a racing car that he can come back, and yeah, maybe not all drivers could could pull that off as successfully as he has done so far. I can't believe I didn't mention the actual driver I'm thinking of when I asked that question, Brendan Hartley. Brendan, oh, well, he could jump behind jump behind anything and make it look good. <laughs> That's <laughs> inappropriate. <laughs> Anything is it though? It's Brendan Hartley. Car. I think it's perfectly appropriate. No, nothing's inappropriate with Brendan. <laughs> appropriate Brendan is what they call him. Get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> you can, you can get rid of your saucy cast. Appropriate Brendo is, is going that, is on a t-shirt. Is that MSN using aim? <laughs> yeah. Is that we at appropriate Brendo? Yeah. Well, that's it. We'll have to confirm it with uh, with appropriate Brendo himself. <laughs> <laughs> potentially uh, another name that i was thinking of when i asked that question uh, is of course the one and only michael andretti who raced for mclaren back in the mid 90s now the reason i bring up his name is not because i think he might be making a comeback but he might be making a comeback in a slightly different way in that he is potentially looking to bid uh, and take over the Sauber team. Now, Sauber themselves aren't, in name at least, technically on the F1 grid at the moment, but Sauber as the group does still own Alfa Romeo. So buying Sauber is essentially the same as buying... Uh, buying Sauber is the same as buying Alfa Romeo at this point. So looking at this, Harry, it's been it's been on and off for quite a few years, to be honest. Do you think this is going to happen? Well, the way the way they were talking about it over the uh, last race weekend, it seemed like 
Yeah, this is uh, this announcement's coming uh, imminently. Um, it would make. I don't know how they how it would happen. Whether it be Alfa Romeo Andretti or Andretti Salba, I don't know how how the whole thing would would Both work out. And where does that lead? They do sound pretty cool. I mean, anything Andretti kind of sounds cool, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, despite it being Michael, but um, yeah, I, I don't know how that would work in terms of Ferrari's involvement with Salba anymore because obviously Alfa Romeo is Alfa Romeo is a kind of sub brand. Um, but yeah. I, I I would like to see it. It would be cool, especially for F1 trying to emerge itself in the American market, which has been trying to do for a very long time. I mean, someone very kindly pointed out in the Discord that we do more for F1 in America than actual F1 does, which <laughs> is very kind of them to say. <laughs> I don't think it's true. Um, but we, we love you, Americans. Um, but yeah, it, it's something that F1's been trying to do for ages. And, you know, two US GPs as of next year, you know, uh, double uh, uh, pair that with what could be two US F1 teams. Let's not forget Haas are an, uh, an F1 team. They're still there um, at the moment. But yeah, two US F1 teams on the grid. And all they would need then is good old Colton Herter as the little American cherry on top of the American cake to make this a, an American fest. Um, which I think F1 would, it's a good thing for F1. And, and it needs it if it wants to break into this American market. I mean, you know, I don't know how comparatively popular IndyCar is in America. I don't think it's huge, but, um, you know, people still know about it and they know who Colton Herter is. So there's, you know, a potential new audience there if they can get Andretti. I think A, Andretti involved and then B, Colton Herter because he's kind of a rising star over there as well. So, um, yeah, be interesting to see. Most things the Andretti's dude does all right. Not always in F1, as we saw with Michael's uh, glittering career, but his dad was all right. Uh, he, did, he did okay, so um, why not? Yeah. This I think it would be a cool... As, as Sam said, it's uh, it sounds cool either way. Alfa Romeo Andretti or Andretti Salba, I'm here for it. It does. Uh, that's the most important thing. What would the team name be? Um, Sam, what are your thoughts? I mean... It seems as if F1 have been trying to emerge in America for the last 70 years. Is there any chance at all that this would be something that would actually help them there? I don't know. Uh, I think the issue with broadcasting in America when you're a Europe-centric sport at the moment, just natively that becomes very difficult for the audience. You know, um, 54%, if you like some transparency, folks, 54% of our listenership is from the US, which is crazy to us because we're three young English lads that, you know, it's not like we frequent the States that often. Um, but also, much love to you all. Thank you. Um, so the fact that we've broken into the American market and Formula One are still struggling massively. You know, we clearly generate way more revenue than they do, that we say, doing this podcast from our bedrooms. Um, it's quite baffling the way they haven't ever got into it. And... I mean, Andretti, out of all names, is one of the most famous names in, in American racing, isn't it? It's, it's much like the Earnhardts of, of NASCAR. It's a, a family of racing. It's very, very well known in the motorsport community in the United States. So, yeah, I mean, it would encourage fans of that IndyCar team to go and watch. It would encourage historic fans of Andretti to give it a try. But do I think that those in California, for example, that want to watch the Russian Grand Prix at, what, four in the morning are still going to get up in time loyally just because Andretti's turned up? I don't know. I don't know. And I feel like that's the issue, unfortunately, when you have a global sport broadcasting it in a viewable time for every single nation that wants to watch it is very difficult to grow a loyal partnership there. Um, I think the most clever part of Andretti, and I think it's a, it's a shame that they would take over Alfa Romeo and not just form their own team, is Roman Grosjean has definitely played the long game here, isn't he? He's definitely decided that, you know what, I'll go to Indy, I'll absolutely kill the whole game. People love me over there. I am the phoenix rising from the flames. Um, he's, he's now a worshipped son of the States, which I love, because Romy G on this channel is, you know, a hugely popular figure. We're big fans of Romy G. And now he's gone like, oh, I'll get a top driver, a top team. Maybe that team wants to go into Formula 1. Maybe I can now secretly get myself back on the other side of the pond, which would be a little bit crafty. I'd absolutely love to see it. So I think I think it's more about broadcasting than it is about teams if you want to get the American audience on board. But 
it won't do any harm, I don't think. So Andretti Alfa Romeo, or Alfa Romeo Andretti, or Sauber Andretti, Samuel Sage Andretti, however you want to put it, I think it sounds very exciting. And I am, I'm always up for new teams, new colours, new branding. I always think it's very fun in Formula 1, so bring it on. Yeah, I mean, we've we've spoken about the struggle that F1 has had, generally speaking, in America and not quite being able to hit it off. They've been to multiple venues. Some places it's kind of worked, some places it kind of hasn't. And you're right, when you have a European-centric sport, it's going to be very difficult to break in a market which is away from Europe. And if if you're to look at, well, where are all the new races coming in? Well, actually, for the most part, Jeddah, Qatar, they're actually coming in Asia rather than coming in America. So it's almost moving further away. Um, So I think until F1 finds a way to solve that, I think they are massively hamstrung by this. And I don't think a new American team is going to fix that. Yes, it might help a bit, but it's not going to be the the magic potion that turns this all around. Um, I think it would be very exciting. Like you say, everything Andretti touches, as in the overall sort of family and brand, generally, yeah, it works out. They've been very successful in IndyCar. They've won quite a few, especially with the Indy 500. They've won quite a few of those in recent years. Uh, and yeah, like you say, I mean, Mario's obviously an icon. Uh, Michael Michael is far better than the average Formula One fan would give him credit for. You know, uh, If you're looking at it a very Formula One lens, you see Michael Andretti stint at McLaren and, and think it was an absolute disaster. And it was an absolute disaster, but that shouldn't take away from the fact that Michael uh, was a very talented driver where it didn't work out. And I think as a community, we are probably too harsh on Michael Andretti sometimes for being battered <laughs> by Ayrton Senna. I mean... Shock that that might happen. Ayrton Senna's... It's the Bottas effect, isn't it? It, it yeah. is. Yeah. And it's it's a case as well of Ayrton Senna was at McLaren, a three-time world champion, and had been there for like five years. He was very well implemented into the team. And suddenly Andretti comes over from the US and is expected to compete with him. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying it was good, but there are. It's easy to understand why it didn't go well. Uh, I'll put it put it that way. Uh, but yeah, generally speaking, everything Andretti does, you know, it, it works out. So I'd be very excited to see this happen. We've already mentioned a couple of driver names here that could well come about as a result of this move. Uh, Colton Herter. 21 years old, only made his IndyCar debut a few years ago. Roman Grosjean, of course, only an IndyCar driver for one year, but a Formula One veteran of many years prior to that. So you've got two very different drivers in terms of experience, in terms of F1 experience. Harry, if you're weighing up the two options, where are you going and why? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be old Giovinazzi, is it? Um, as much as I love Jesus, uh, as he's known. Um, <laughs> no. We're um, open to all religious yeah, beliefs uh, on this channel, by the way, folks. Believe what you want. Of course, of course. Well, disclaimer. Reason. Okay, so we've gone on our weird path. Um, anyway, as much as I like Giovinazzi, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I, I, and he's had a much better year this year, I think, and probably his best year ever, I guess. Um he has been. It's the opposite as of the uh, Senna and Hamilton against Bottas Andretti effect. He's been against uh, an old man who just kind of drives around for fun every Sunday, and he's not that bothered about Gets racing anymore. He's, he's off to he's off, <laughs> off to retire. Um, so yeah, so the comparison maybe isn't fair, but I think Giovinazzi's had a better year. But uh, you know, I think that lineup's become a bit stale, hasn't it? And I think you know, with Bottas coming in, there's some new blood. I don't think they necessarily need Giovinazzi there for the, you know, the the the, the continuity because next year is so different that I don't think it makes any difference whatsoever if you've got the same drivers in your team. It's a, it's a completely new formula. So, yeah, why would you not go for for someone like Colton Herta or indeed one of the younger F two drivers? I think it makes more sense. I don't know who I don't know who they're set for, and I think that really depends on what happens with this Andretti stuff. But um, uh. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, sorry, Gio. Just don't think it's don't think it's gonna happen, mate. But maybe you could get go and join Romy G over. Maybe Andretti buy them out and Giovinazzi drives an Andretti over in IndyCar. I think they might all be full, but 
uh, you're, something, someone will come up for you, Antonio, mate. Don't worry about it. Yeah, bless him. Drive the papal. <laughs> Could well do. Could well do. Um, I mean, looking at, again, just looking at Herta versus Grosjean here from, from my perspective. So Grosjean is the known quantity of the two. You, you would roughly know what you're getting with Roman Grosjean if he were to come back to Formula One. Um, obviously, we... We know the inconsistencies with Romain Grosjean. You get the very good, you get the very bad. Uh, and I think that's... He's had enough years in Formula One now that it's not necessarily a rookie trait or something that he he is going to grow out of. That That's kind of who he is. He's very inconsistent. And we, we've seen that in IndyCar as well, to be honest. There have been some absolutely fantastic moments in his first season. But there's still some of the old Romy G in there as well. And you'd get that if he was to come back to Formula One. And I think there's a reason that Haas got rid of him in the nicest way possible. So I don't actually think there's a reason for Alfa Romeo or Andretti Alfa Romeo or Andretti Salva Alfa Romeo Andretti to take him back. (laughs) Um, That's the winner right there. Um, Yeah, I I, I don't think that there would be much of a reason. You're almost getting a... I don't want to say it. You're almost getting a worse version of Valtteri Bottas, to to be honest. I think at this point... Valtteri Bottas, who is already confirmed for the team, would do a very similar but better job than Grosjean in that same position. Herter's an unknown. Herter, you know, could go into Formula One and be worse than Grosjean ever was. There's a potential for that, but it's an unknown. He might also turn up and be in and amongst these young drivers that are very good. The problem is you don't actually have much of a reference point with drivers coming over from IndyCar to Formula One because it doesn't really happen, or at least it hasn't happened for a long time. It has worked before in the past. Harry's favourite, Jacques Villeneuve, it worked. I guess it was cart, but Ugh. still technically. Um, Juan Pablo Montoya, same thing. That worked. Mr. Chunky! Mr. Chunky. So it can work. It can work. But again, you, you don't really have the reference points. The only real reference points you do have, with Colton Herter at least, are in his junior career. So... In what I can't remember the year, it might have been 2017, 2016, possibly. Um, Colton Herter raced for Carlin, who obviously a name in IndyCar now as well, but a big name in the feeder series, making their way up to Formula One. Um, he was a teammate of Lando Norris, which is a pretty good comparison point, and he stacked up pretty well. He didn't beat Lando Norris, they took part in the MSA F4 Championship. Lando Norris won the title with 413 points. Colton Herter finished third with 355. He's really not that Step far behind. Man. It's pretty good going, though, right? And Colton Herter in that season actually had a really slow start. If it weren't for that slow start, he might well have beaten him. So if you're using Lando Norris as a yardstick, that's that's pretty good going. Um, he also he also had a few races in British F3 as well, and he, he, he did himself justice in all of them. He goes over to IndyCar, becomes the youngest IndyCar winner of all time, and what's possibly most important to consider here is in IndyCar, you've got, uh, I'm sure many people already know this, but in IndyCar, you have two types of races. You've got ovals and you've got circuits. Obviously, circuits much more representative of what you get in Formula One. All of Colton Herter's wins have been road courses. He has no oval wins. So he has six wins in total, all of them. And if you're look, looking at it, you know, Mid-Ohio, Long Beach, Circuit of the Americas, that was his first win. St. Petersburg, and then he's won twice at Laguna Seca. So it's a pretty good list, and it is much more representative of what you get in Formula One than, say, winning at all these ovals. Not saying that that doesn't translate at all, but if you're ignoring everything else and you are asking, okay, do you want to take the winner of the Long Beach Grand Prix or the winner of the Indy 500? I know who I'm taking. So, And actually, Colton Herter, since the beginning of 2019, no other IndyCar driver has won more road courses in that time in, the, in those three years so really impressive Double driver. Step, man. I know right I'm go, go, going hard this evening I, I, I'm i not Smash yeah not taking any liberties um, but yeah I I think Colton Herta it might be worth a shot I'd be excited to know how it went because if it went well then suddenly maybe that door opens for other IndyCar F1 crossovers we've seen plenty go from F1 to IndyCar but not really anyone go the other way I'd like to see it happen with Herta it'd be exciting I'm um, Ben, a quick apology. You asked me a question about Grosjean and Herta, and I started talking about Giovinazzi. I've just realised what we were all confused. Don't worry. Sorry about that. Sorry, folks, for listening. Who were listening? Because apparently, I was. I was not. 
It's, uh, a long, it's been a long day. It's been a long day for Harry. He's got he's got a long drive to get bass back for this podcast, so we appreciate him being here at all, really. So we'll, we'll let him off. No. Oh, it's like you're not these stupid childs that you kind of resent, but you, you know, got to keep him anyway. At least you finally realised. This is, this is really important, Harry. I'm going to ask you a question, okay? This okay. is our next topic. This topic, we're actually talking about Antonio Giovinazzi, all right? Okay. Now, at the weekend, you might, you might remember, although you, you might not, there was a Turkish Grand Prix this weekend that happened. Oh, yeah. Antonio Giovinazzi was given some team orders to let Kimi Raikkonen go by early in the race. Antonio Giovinazzi ignored him, stayed ahead. So... If we're talking about Antonio Giovinazzi here, <laughs> what did you make of him ignoring team orders? Does it signal that he already knows he's not sticking around next year? Um, I, I, I don't know, because we kind of saw that in a, in a, in a weaker version with uh, Bottas and we in Spain, but then he, and then he went past anyway. Or he made it difficult, didn't he? Uh, but I don't necessarily think the writing was on the wall for Bottas in by Spain this year so I don't know whether that could explain it or not so I don't think it's a it means it's a done deal but um yeah maybe maybe Giovinazzi especially with these rumors flying about he sees the writing on the wall what Kimmy that you know it's not gonna let Kimmy pass what what does what difference does it make letting Kimmy pass now um so yeah I don't know but you know you'd it's that those kind of gestures are fairly indicative that that's a person who doesn't care for the team game anymore um and, and he's just fighting for himself but um yeah i wouldn't say it's a hundred percent but as i've already mentioned in the question that i answered incorrectly earlier i don't think he's going to be in that seat next year so uh, this is probably the beginning of the end for old antonio jesus Giovinazzi. i love that you have to give him a new name every single time you talk about him Wait, he talks about him so much, it doesn't matter what you ask him, he'll go on about him. <laughs> You're obsessed. Uh, God. You might have a chip. I might just edit this whole segment out. You might have a chance with F1 higher or lower, Sam. How many race wins does Lewis Hamilton have? Giovinazzi. That's got an answer. Uh, might give you the win, God. Though. What what are your thoughts on this, Sam? Do you think he's out as a result of uh, as a re- well, not as a result of what he's done, but do you think he's already out based on his action? Um, the media would say yes, he's already out. Um, they're not a championship, you know, winning side. They're not fighting for anything major. Um, I I think that Giovinazzi has every right to turn around and be like, no, it's early on in the race. I'm still going for it here. Kimi Räikkönen's retiring at the end of the season. He's not like he's on for one final race wing. Um, I don't know why the team orders were that strictly needed. It wasn't like they were going to massively outscore what they did if um, Reichen got through there and then. Giovinazzi needs to impress. If he keeps Kimi Reichen behind him and he goes on to actually overtake a few cars and maybe score some points, then he goes at the end of the race. See, I proved you wrong. Should have kept Kimi behind me and look what I can do. So I think he's got every right to have a bit of fire in him to turn around and think, I need to go all out for this. Kimi's fate is deciding. He's leaving at the end of this year, finally, after 4,000 years of motor racing. Kimi Reichen is going to finally settle down on his own for a bit. Um, but Giovinazzi, the man who comes from you know, the dawn of time in terms of ADBT, um, he also needs to declare himself as a racer for the future. And the way of doing that is by scoring points and getting your foot down and making yourself heard and being a presence. And... With Bottas coming in, Giovinazzi could theoretically still be the youngster at the team that develops and learns. I don't agree that that's the right thing to do for the team. I don't agree that Giovinazzi should have a seat in that team next season. But I can see why he thinks that might be the right choice. So, yeah, media-wise, it says a lot. I think it says that, you know what, Giovinazzi's had enough. He wants to make a mark at the end of his, possibly his F1 career, it might be, um, and go out with a bit of a bang. It hasn't really worked too well. But I do also understand why maybe he has some motive to really try and show off the last few races, and that might just sway the management of the team. I don't think it will, but I can understand why he might think that way. So I don't think it's a slam dunk, but I do think, in my mind, he's a good 90% out the door. Yeah, I I think he's gone. 
I, I don't think he'd have made that decision otherwise. I, if he's 100% confirmed to be staying, he moves aside because what's the point? He's already got the seat. Like you say, Sam, there probably isn't that much on the line. I know it was a wet race, so you might think that the position might be worth something, but but realistically, there probably wasn't much on the line. So if you confirm for next year, you go, well, yeah, sure. And, and also, if he was confirmed for next year, they probably don't even ask, they don't even make the team order in the first place, probably, because why cater to someone who's already going out the door? Um, likewise, you know, if you think he's already definitely out, what's the point in listening to the team? You might as well, you know, go ahead and try to carve something out for yourself. Um, and yeah, he, he needs to make a name. Like you rightly said, he needs future opportunities. He's still, comparatively speaking, a young driver. He's still got plenty of years racing ahead of him, wherever that racing may be. He needs to build his career. So of course he's going to keep that position. And ultimately, you know, he... He would have given the position. So if he would have allowed Kimi Raikkonen to go past, he would have got the position back if Raikkonen did not make the overtake on whoever was in front. I can't quite remember who it was at this point in time. It might have been Ricardo um, or Ocon, one of the others. Um, whatever it was, they would have allowed the position to be switched back. So you, you, I don't know. This just seems like the writing's on the wall. You, you play the team game if you think there's a chance. If you think there's a chance, the team game is going to impress them more than if you hold on to the position and score a point or two points. What's going to impress more? Being a member of the team is, I think. So I think he's a gone. I think he's a goner. Oh, see you later, Geo. See you. Geo, dude. Get a Pokemon, Pokemon reference. reference. Love it. Yeah. I think I forgot a lot. Maybe, maybe Geo will evolve. He'll become, he'll become a golem. Or was it not the champ? No, that's the matchup evolution. Oh, Pokemon fans sorry. out there are going to be are going to be mad at you. The only you one can't... I know is Pikachu, right? <laughs> now they're Pikachu. definitely going to be. Mad. Move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll move Gotta on. Gotta catch them all. Well, that's there's there's a remotely close to the Pikachu. That is an idea for know, a future theme. Yeah, I'll, I'll parody that. Definitely. Yeah, Ben, make a game called Gotta Catch Em All and then we'll do a theme tune. Go around throwing balls at uh, F1 drivers. It's Folks, by game. the way, when Harry says we'll make a theme tune, he means I'll write the entire song and then Harry will put together some nonsensical bit of music he's found online behind it. That's how the jingles work. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> Speaking of Sam writing a theme song and Harry plonking some music over the top of it, it's F1 higher or lower. Is F1 higher? Is F1 lower? Is Sam faster? Is Harry slower? F1 higher? F1 lower? F1 it's the, F- oh. it, it's the F1 at the end of that. F1. F1. <laughs> so um, we, we have a couple of different versions of F1 higher or lower. So I better tell you which one we're actually playing. So I've got, right. 10, I've got 10 different numbers of sorts in front of me with clues attached. You'll take it in turns, picking a number between 1 and 10. You'll have to make the guess. If it's your 1, you'll make the guess as to what the number should be. And then the other person will have to say whether your guess is too high or too low. Uh, and if they're right, they get the point. If they're wrong, the person who guessed gets the point. I think that's... Nice. I think I started with Harry last week. So, Har- I, no. I started with Harry <laughs> last week. Giovinazzi. Giovinazzi. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You can tell we're quite tired today, folks. We are collectively running on about 30% battery life, aren't we? Oh, uh, yeah. Sam, you can go first. That's number, me. Be- number between 1 and 10 that isn't Giovinazzi. Um, I will go... I can't do number 99. I'll go number 10, please. Number 10. So a friend of the podcast, uh, Mark Webber. He doesn't know it oh, yet, yeah. but... He, he, <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Mark Webber. It's probably the most simple one. How many pole positions oh. did he get in his career? Oh, Harry, I bet you know this as well, don't you? No, I not no idea. I'm going to go 10. 10 is the guess from Sam. It's not spot on. By the way, if you're spot on, you get two points. I should have mentioned that at the beginning. But oh. Harry, higher or lower than 10? Uh, I'm going to go lower. Oh, you would be wrong in saying lower. He had 13 pole positions. Oh, oh yeah, Mark. Absolute bowler. Good on you, Mark. Well done. Um, so Sam, Sam takes the first point. Well done. <laughs> Harry, try and get something <laughs> on the board. What number do you want? I'll go for seven, please. Number seven. So the 2016 Chinese Grand Prix is notable. Do you know what reason it's notable for? Is that the question? No, I'm just wondering if you know. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know. Nico Rosberg won it? Not sure. Uh, it was the most overtakes to ever happen in a race. Wow. How many overtakes How were many made are there? in the 2016 you Chinese bloody. Grand Prix? 47. Sam, higher or lower higher. than 47? Higher, higher, higher. Well, Harry, you were only 114 out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? One, 161 overtakes uh, in the 2016 Chinese Grand Prix. I, did, I don't remember that being such a belter. I have to go back and rewatch yeah. it. So Sam takes wow. a two nothing lead, and we go back to you, Sam, for the next one. Oh, I've number nine because that's one of Giovinazzi's numbers. Oh, by the way, I've put some really horrible ones in here this week. Is I, this it, I, I was feeling this one's this one's a bit horrible. Oh. How many races have been won yeah. on Pirelli yeah. tires? Crikey, mate! Ah, oh, that is hard. Um, I'm going to go with 274. 274 is it's not bang on correct, although I would have been very impressed if you managed to get that figure spot on. Harry, do you want to go higher or lower than 274? Uh, I, I think... Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, wait, no. Um... What just were they doing before? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just random. I don't know. Lower. Uh, it is lower. So Harry is on the board. I've got to say, I feel a bit sorry that... for you, Sam, because that's a really good guess. Uh, it was 256. Oh. So you were not oh, far off at all. Too far off. I'll take that. That's a yeah, point I was my thinking because like 2011 and then 20 odd races a season for 10 years. Yeah. That's about right, isn't it? They, That's they what I tried have, to work yeah. out in my head. They did have a few previous stints as well, although I'm not quite sure how many of those, how many victories came in those times. But yes, uh, Harry does get the point, but a good guess from you, Sam. Harry, your one next. Number two, please. Number two. Uh, another friend of the podcast, uh, Jolian Palmer. Again, he doesn't know oh, it yet. but yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, He really is, though. How many races... Jolie and Palmer enter in Formula One. Not a huge amount. <laughs> uh, he did. He did thirty-six. Thirty-six is not correct. Sam, higher or lower? Yeah. I think that's actually quite a good guess. And just like Jolie, you need to be alert on the street circuit. So I'm going to say. <laughs> It was higher. Uh, this is another one where Sam is correct, uh, but I feel very bad for you, Harry, because you were one out. Oh, Are you oh, joking? Oh, oh, oh. 37. Oh, mate. A day off. That is, that is unlucky. Jolian Palmer mugging me right <laughs> off again. Jolian it's all those Palmer. sketches I dig of Jolian. It's, it's, I'm with him. That's old school LB, by the way, folks. Very that old is, school that is LB. Very old school That's LB. before the podcast. I'm not even sure you're ever... 
You'll ever find that, folks, so don't go looking for it. <laughs> Thank goodness. Sam, what number do you want? <laughs> um, is I'll Julian have... Palmer on a llama isn't a good feature? <laughs> we ran that for months, folks. Um, I will do number six, please. Number six, okay. Uh, famously, Sam hates Finland, so this is an appropriate question. <laughs> Or he just hates select Finnish drivers. Um, if you were to add up all of the drivers from Finland and their number of race wins, how many would you get? Um, oh my god! First thing, Statman for working this out. Have, have a think. Um, you know, who's raced them from Finland? How many races they might they might have won each? Okay, I'm gonna go with or. Oh, 71. 71 is not correct. Harry? Uh, lower. Uh, lower is correct. Uh, pretty good guess, oh, 71. Okay. Um, 57 wins overall. Oh, right. Come on, England. Harry, what number so you would you like me. next? What, uh, what numbers that left? You've got one, three, four, five, and eight. Oh, loads. Uh, five, please. Uh, number five. Oh, this is a pretty horrible one as well. I've been really horrible with these ones. Okay. Jesus. So we're talking here about 2019, 2020, and 2021. So what it's been so far. This is as of the end of the Turkish Grand Prix. How many points... Have Toro Rosso slash Alpha Tauri got since the start of 2019? Bloody hell, Ben! Oh, I'm not uh, expecting no chance of even getting. I'm not expecting you get it spot on. You make an educated guess, though. I would say educated. You can make a guess. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how, how much do you reckon they get a year. Um... That's the whole point. You're right, trying to work out. They have like... got. Uh, 71. 71 points since the start of 2019. No, I can I retract you it? You can retract that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I would suggest you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, it's been an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to go for 171. <laughs> 171 is not correct, but a far better guess, I'll give you that. <laughs> Sam, higher or lower? Um, oh, I'm going to just say higher. Uh, it is higher, but it's actually quite a bit higher. 284. Oh. Wow, I was, if that was my question, I was going to say about 230 when you first, Harry, when you said 71, whatever it was that you said. <laughs> They've got more than that this year. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, I was like, wow, okay. Oh. Yeah, uh, eight, 85 points in 2019, 107 last year, and currently 92 this year. Uh, they're on the up. Yeah, yeah, they're doing doing pretty well, aren't they? We've got four numbers left, uh, so which one would you like, Sam? Um, you say number eight was left. Number eight is still there. I love number eight. Uh, and shockingly, this one actually features a friend of the podcast. Uh, oh, he just doesn't know it yet. It's uh, Dr. Nigel Mansell. <laughs> yes, Dr. <laughs> Nigel! Famously a surgeon. We're going to slightly change the question on this one from higher or lower to older or uh, older or younger. How old is Nigel Mansell? Now? Now. <laughs> no, when he was 30. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I was hoping for. <laughs> Charles, if you don't get overtaken by P2, you'll stay P1. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Uh, Nigel Mansell is oh, 58. <laughs> Higher or lower, Harry? Higher. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, yeah. It's an 8 on the end, but it's 68. Oh, it's always that far off. <laughs> Which does make it 4-3. Oh to Sam so it's pretty close Harry three to, three to go you can have number one three or four number one please number one um, 
the United States Grand Prix in the year 2000. It was significant because it is the highest race attendance of all time. How many people attended specifically race day, not over the weekend? How many people attended race day in the 2000 US Grand Prix? 150,000 people. Higher or lower than 150, Sam? I'm going to go higher. <laughs> Sam gets to five points. Um, another 100,000 people in you there, Harry. 250,000. I thought, thought Silverstone doesn't get too far off 150, does it? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's ever a weekend, right? Not a, well, the, not a race day. The 2021 British Grand Prix holds the record for most over a weekend. Um, but yeah, specifically the uh, I don't know, three hundred and fifty or something maybe. But yeah, oh, oh, Statman for that. I I don't know it. So two to go, number three or number four. Uh, I mean, one of them's horrible. Um, so good luck if you get that one, Sam. That's gonna be uh, mine, isn't it? No, it won't be. I mean, either way, Harry, we both got to answer. So um, <laughs> three, just get over done with. Give me the horrible one, then. Nah, it's probably the nicer one of the two. So, the 2003 Italian Grand Prix uh, was was the shortest race of all time until a few races ago when Belgium decided to happen. But it is the shortest race without a red flag. How many minutes to the nearest whole minute was that race? (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with... 52 minutes. Harry, higher or lower than 52 minutes? I'll go for higher. Uh, it was higher. 74 minutes. Oh, I was initially going to say 71. I'm kicking myself. That's what I said about the points. It's yeah, 71's come up a lot. So it does mean, <laughs> Harry, pressure's on here. It's 5-4 to Sam. If Harry gets this right, we do end this in a draw. If Sam gets this right, he takes the win. So you've got number four left, and it's an absolute belter. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. I mean, it's still a 50-50 choice, though, isn't it? It is. For me, and I get them wrong. Yeah, true. (laughs) This is is well known. How many points has Sebastian Vettel accumulated in his career? Oh, cool. Blimey, Governor. Oh, yay, yay. He has accumulated... <laughs> 1,322. 1,322. Uh, you'll be shocked to yes. know it's not spot on. Oh, Sam, do you want to go higher or lower than that number? Uh, I'm going to say higher. It is higher. Well done. Yes! Harry, the wing always Harry makes more w- to me than Harry. It's interesting. <laughs> Harry Harry would have been right. <laughs> Harry, Harry would have been right if Sebastian Vettel retired midway through 2014, probably. Um, <laughs> which... Which he didn't actually. Um, so it wasn't one thousand three hundred and twenty-two. It was three thousand and fifty-three. So um, it's like, it's like got... Hamilton had like thought... four thousand six hundred or something like that. Yeah, maybe that's right. I thought Alonso did like a special helmet once because he beat the amount of points ever when he was at Ferrari, but that can't be right because Hamilton's got way more than him. So where's Hamilton's special helmet? Put on the tire fire of qualifying tires. So, by a scoreline of six to four, Sam walks away the winner. Is F one higher? <laughs> is F one lower? Is Sam faster? Is Harry slower? F one higher? F one lower? F one. F one. Everyone. Just in case you forgot what type of sport podcast you were watching at the end of the jingle. It's just there yeah. to remind you. F1. F1. 
it's actually for our own sake, isn't it? Just to remind ourselves. Sometimes is what we need. Yeah. Um, well, today, yeah. Sam, you were faster. And if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Well, folks, yeah, the word Giovanazzi has been said so many times in this podcast, it doesn't really sound like a real word. So um, say it a few more times. Why not? You might get to the other end. Um, folks, we will be back midweek for a preview podcast of the US Grand Prix. That's right. All you lovely American fans, that you, there are so many of you. Um, we're going to talk about you properly. You get to see some racing at normal times for you, which is just marvellous. Um, thanks for sticking around. It's been a bit of a weird one. Um, hit the little subscribe or follow button or whatever platform you choose to listen on. It really helps us out, of course. Come join the Discord. It's in the description. If you like us that much, you've got a bit of spare change because you're lucky like that at the end of the month. We've got a Patreon. Check it out as well. We'll, We will be doing things such as giveaways and whatnot of merch in the near future. It's in the pipeline. Um, But yeah, make sure you join us next week for the the USGP preview and the review at the weekend. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. I've been Antonio Giovinazzi. And remember, keep breaking late. They should call the team Andretti Spaghetti, by the way. (laughs) Oh my god. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.